Hello, podcasts. Welcome to number 10. 10. 10 of our series of conversations that Stephen and I are having. Um, today we were discussing resilience. We all know that resilience is an important quality. And we discuss a little bit of what it isn't. Being thick-skinned or stubborn or never say die. And more about what it is, which is the character to be able to deal with whatever's coming next. One thing I found particularly useful in this episode was the four building blocks that are needed for developing and maintaining resilience. They are self-confidence, social support, adaptability, and having a strong sense of purpose. Breaking things into component parts helps me to better get my head around some of these topics. And so this definitely helped me. I hope you enjoy this one. I'll be back at the end with some admin, but now... Here comes the cheesy music. Let's start. So again, here we are on Zoom. You know, Edinburgh, can you hear me? Loud and clear. <laughs> we, today we are going to be discussing resilience. Let's start off getting a better definition of resilience than I've probably got. Because in my head... The two words I would use for resilience are grit, which is this sort of buzzword that was used, you know, for the last five years. I think this one came from Angela Duckworth, as well as inventing ways of finishing cricket matches. She also wrote the book Grit and Bounce Back Ability, which I looked up online, is a sports phrase which was invented by Ian Dowie. And there you go. So resilience. Is it grit? Is it bouncer back ability? Or is it something more? That's how Angela would describe it. That's how Ian would describe it. How would Stephen describe it? I think resilience is the the character to see things through. Unfortunately, resilience is typically put together as toughen up. Normally, people have a resilience discussion when someone else is telling them that the, they need to toughen up, they need to get a bit more thick skin, they, they need to be a, bit, a little bit harder, a little bit more determined, and and they have this as being a resilience as a as a tough, hard thing. Uh, and yet, you know, resilience is actually a thing that's made up of other elements. You know, a, a resilience is something that you should build into things. You know, and a resilience is that kind of adaptability that you're able to stretch. But that this isn't about being dogmatic and, and, and sticking with something, even when it's not working. Uh, re- resilience is your ability to see something through because you've got a bigger sense of purpose, a bigger sense of meaning. The character to see things through. Okay. Resilience, it almost feels quite cold in a way. You know, that thick skin, this never say die, that don't let things affect you. You're, you're right. That's some of the things I think about when I think of resilience, but this isn't the character to see things through. Okay. In my head, I see that resilience has got to be a key criteria for success, for, for, for happiness, for, yeah, for, for so many things that people want in their life. You know, that ability not to fall down at the first puff of wind has got to be a critical 
element of success. Is that right? Yeah, well, resilience is up there. I think at the moment, um, given all the global disruption that's going on, resilience and creativity are the, are the two big things that people look for as characteristics within people. And and it's that where it comes into your happiness and fulfilment is that if you have that resilience, then you know you're going to deal with what comes next, no matter how uncertain you are, that, that you know what that's going to look like or what that's going to entail or demand of you. If you have that resilience, you're, you're outcome focused, you're, the destination is the non-negotiable. Uh, what's negotiable is what you need to do to get there. And you're up for that. And you're believing within yourself, I'm, I'm in control of what I'm in control over and I'll be able to respond to everything else. It's that having the ability to take control over what you're in control over and having the grace to accept what, you've, what you don't and be able to respond to that. And that's what really resilience is about. And therefore it plays a big part in your your happiness, your sense of control, your sense of fairness, all those are big emotional drivers. Uh, because if you've got the resilience, you're not looking for everything, everything to have to go perfectly well to get to the outcome you're looking for. You start to appreciate the journey and understand the the, the bends in the road that are going to happen uh, because you're, you're up for those, because you've got the, the confidence and understanding that I'm going to see this through. Yes. Yeah. So you will handle what comes next. And, and, you, and you mentioned the word confidence. I mean, we talked about confidence recently and one of the explanations or one of the descriptions for confidence was a positive expectation that I can hand, I will handle the outcome, whatever it is. And this, and this is a similar idea then is the outcome isn't something that I can control, but I can manage how I handle what the outcome is. Yeah. More than just the outcome. Um, although that is actually an important part, and that's the part that most people tend to miss is how am I going to deal with the outcome? How am I going to deal with actually getting what I've been aiming for? But the the first ninety percent is how do I deal with the journey to get there? You know, am I ready for doing what it takes as 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 the path unfolds? You know, most people will look at others, and they'll they'll see the last ten percent of what they do, and they'll think, oh, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. That looks so good. You look so happy. You look so fulfilled. Wouldn't it be great to just be doing what you're doing? So they see the last 10%. And whether that's a singer in a band, whether that's a sports star, whether that's a teacher, uh, whether it's a coach, whether it's anything, you know, whether it's the parent at the kids' party, um, and people see that last 10% and they think, oh, you've got it sussed. It must be great to be you. The first 90% of that process, if they really knew what involved, might not be so keen in that first 90% of the journey. The last 10% of the getting there looks great, but they might not sign up to the first 90%. You know, and, and in terms of coaching, people look at the, and coaching is a fantastic privilege, that last 10%. The first 90% of the process can be tough, and that's where really your resilience has to come in because, you know, the rejection the not knowing what to do next, the putting yourself out there, you know, exposing your thoughts and beliefs and views on things, the courage to be there, not knowing what's going to come next, what's going to be thrown at you, your trust in yourself, the trust in the people you work with, all those things, um, that first 90%, as well as the learning and the research and the development 
and the, the pressures of life, the pressures of running a coaching business, all these things. People tend to see that last 10% and think, isn't it great you just get to sit down and talk with people? And it is great. It's fantastic. And that last 10% makes the first 90% more than worth it. Yeah. But that's that's your resilience is required in that first 90%. So Seth Godin talks about this in the, his book, The Dip, just exactly how you just sort of described it, about that you start something off and then you have that really the dip. And then when you come out of it, that's what everyone sees. So just what you just said, like the rock star who is, you know, in front of 50,000 people, they haven't seen the, the, the time spent practicing and all of these overnight successes. You know, everyone looks at that 10% as the overnight success. They don't see the years and years. And one of the things recently I was describing it to my children is um, skateboarding. And when you see these kids on the skate parks doing these amazing tricks, I mean, literally, they have fallen down a hundred times, thousands of times. They've been practicing on their own in car parks and failing often and often until they get that glorious moment of being able to do that trick and and get the the adulation from their friends. That makes sense. So that 90% of the journey is where resilience is a key thing to have in your locker so you can get to enjoy that 10%. But you won't get to that moment in the sun, that moment on the stage, the moment in the skate park, the moment of running your own business, that moment of of helping people until you've done that 90%. So this is why you should have resilience in your in your locker. Otherwise, you won't get to, or it'll be harder for you to get to that meaningful place at the end of it. Yeah, look, if, if you've got something that is always going to go to plan, then resilience isn't as critical. But for everything in your life that isn't necessarily going to go to plan yes. or might not go to plan, that's where resilience becomes crucial. Yes. So whether you're a, a parent, a friend, a homeowner, a business owner, um, an employee, whatever you're doing, whatever walk of life, you know, the, the issues and the uncertainty that, that life will throw at you in terms of health, in terms of finances, relationships, uh, all of these things, you know, that's where your resilience is, is key. I remember you introducing me years and years ago to the the concept of the 10,000 hours to master something. And that's where your resilience is, is, is getting yourself through that. Um, and, that and that's why it's so crucial. But it's more than just being tough uh, on yourself or others and it's more than just growing a thick skin um, and closing your eyes and and just forcing your way through because resilience isn't about forcing Uh, resilience is about responding with and working with what's going on and about you to keep going towards where you want to get to as you're saying this then that 10 percent this is again the topic we touched on before is this having this strong sense of purpose is going to then, I can see that we're going to touch on this again, because what you've said before is that having that strong sense of purpose, having that true north, that north star, that things don't have to happen according to in, in a linear fashion, because you, you frame any setback as a learning, you take it all progress as, as good news. But your true north hasn't changed. It, you've just gone slightly off course, but you're going to get yourself back on course. So to help you build resilience, I can see 
you need that strong sense of purpose or you need a sense of purpose? There are four things that will determine your level of resilience. First of all, there's your level of self-confidence. Yes. Which we talked about there. The second thing is, and this is really important, is your social support. It's the who you've got around you. The third thing is your adaptability to change. So when things don't go to plan. And the fourth element is purposefulness. Okay. That's part of something bigger. Okay. So this is great. I like this. I like lists. I like stuff I can write down on a post-it note, stick on my mirror and help me, and help me think about. First thing then, is resilience one of those things that we all have within us already? Or is it something that we have, that we have to learn? Well, see, that, this is the thing, and this is one of the great bits of doing this type of work, because you get, get to break these really critical things into understandable elements. Resilience isn't something that you either have or don't have. It's something you're able to build if you know what it's made up of. Okay. It's a cake that you can bake if you know what the ingredients are. And these are the four ingredients. And so when you're um, protecting your confidence, when you've got the right people around about you, what you're aiming for matters so much that you're willing to allow the journey and the process to be flexible and negotiable. And it means enough to you to get to that last piece. When you have those things, you'll find all the resilience in the world. But to understand then when you're not feeling resilient enough, you can then look at those four elements and say, where am I falling short? Or what needs to be upgraded? Or what needs to be refreshed? Or what needs to be reconnected? And and this is also an important thing, you know, as you've said about the outcome. It's not just been about resilient for absolutely everything. There are some things that you're maybe going for that are not the right things for you to be going for. The purposefulness isn't there. So unless you can create the purposefulness for it or connect it with something, a bigger purpose, maybe it's not your thing to be doing. Yes. And all you're going to do is fight with yourself and forcing yourself to do it. And you'll find that if you're being too conditional, so you're not adaptable to the change, it's probably because it doesn't mean enough to you because the process is, I'm only willing to do it if I get to do it like this. And this is where you can understand more about being resilient when resilience is your big thing, rather than just fighting every fight and pushing yourself through everything. And you might actually miss the things you're supposed to be doing because you're busy doing everything. I think that is so, so key. You're dead on right. That made so much sense because... If you give up on something, it's not that you lacking resilience. Is you've just chosen that that isn't something I should be spending my resilience currency on. So you know the fact that I haven't yet become a rock star isn't that I haven't got the crazy good looks or the fantastic charisma. It's just that I haven't put the time in with the guitar. I haven't done the ten thousand hours with my guitar because I've chosen to do something else. It isn't that I'm lacking the resilience to do those 10,000 hours. I've chosen a different thing to do with those 10,000 hours. Is that? And, and if you understand that, then you have that compassion for yourself and you understand yourself better to go and find out what, what, what would float your boat, what would be the big enough thing that all your resilience would come from. 
but sometimes we're doing so many things that actually don't have that big enough meaning. And and I and I get to meet a lot of people either because the boss has told me or they'll tell me I'm I'm just not able to complete and finish things. Well, there'll be a reason for that. Yes. Now, either create the conditions and the environment where you will make sure you complete and finish or go and do something that you will complete and finish. Yes. Now, there may be other elements in terms of discipline and rigor and all these kinds of things, but in terms of resilience, it's having the confidence, the social support, the adaptability, and that bigger sense of purpose. So for the things you really want to see through, those are the four elements. And you can work on those, you can develop those, and those four things combined will give you an, uh, an unshakable level of resilience. So it can be built. So that's important. And the four key ingredients in the cake, self-confidence, social support, adaptability, and purpose, these are things that we can do our own inner work on to improve this. You, you say before, if it's external, you can never control it, but these things you can manage. Is that how I should look at it? Self-confidence is something I can work on. My social support is something I can, can, I can control and work on. My level of adaptability is something I can own. You know, my purpose is something I can develop. You know, this is something within my control. Is that how I should look at resilience? Yeah, I mean, those four elements, it's, it's not only you can build those elements, you're going to have to be able to maintain those elements. You know, normally at the very beginning when you set out, you know, you're gung-ho at the beginning. This is going to be, this is what I've always wanted to do. And then it gets tough kind of quick. And then it's a test of those four elements. So it's about building it, it's about maintaining it, it's about refreshing it. The, the reason why you get into something might not be the reason why you see it all the way through. You know, things happen, things change. And this is one of the things that does tend to throw people off course when they go through kind of life-changing things, you know, either having kids or they have health issues or um, they have a redundancy or, you know, things don't go to plan. They, they move to another area. They, they lose people close to them. And because that previous sense of purpose doesn't seem so important, and in a lot of cases isn't, the resilience goes. So you either find a, you either need to find a fresher sense of purpose or a bigger sense of purpose to get, get back in, or you're going to walk away from these things. But the importance is you're, to protect your own identity is rather than you know, criticising yourself for just not being resilient, so not resilient enough or allowing others to label you as having no resilience, you're able to understand what resilience is actually about. So I think build and maintain, there's going to be a similar methodology in my, in my head. Self-confidence we've talked a bit about before, about how you can build up your self-confidence. We talked about optimal appraisal and it's called Confidence. It's a podcast, it's episode nine. But I'll leave it out there because we, we did spend a bit of time on that. And there's lots of good, other good literature out there. Purpose we've touched on as well. Uh, about the importance of it and connecting with something, even if you don't feel you have something, and that importance of, of finding and developing your own sense of purpose. And we discussed that as well. This was also, I think, part of the, the happiness and emotional intelligence um, ones as well. The two that I don't think we've touched on as much 
if we could spend a bit of time on that now, is the social support and adaptability. Now, the adaptability, it seems to me, comes a little bit from the self-confidence and purpose anyway. Um, but the social support, that, that one sort of stands out is different from something we don't you know there's there's always a bit of crossover between topics which makes sense because obviously you know this is these are complex topics but social support i don't think you've mentioned as as explicitly for resilience as you have on other topics no and and look it is important to look at the four things because as you've just said that your level of confidence and your connection to purpose all four of these things are interdependent of each other that they're not sitting in isolation so there's an interdependence. The confidence has to come first. And that's in the context of resilience. It's the confidence within yourself. It's not the confidence that things will always go to plan. It's the confidence in your ability to adapt when things don't go to plan or when you decide to change the plan. Yes, It's that self-confidence. And that is just knowing uh, within yourself what you bring. And that is just doing that regular inventory on, you know, what experience can I bring to this? What expertise? So what am I good at? What do I know I'm good at? What do I know that's relevant to this? You know, what am I able to do? You know, what do people sort of know me for? You know, what do people rely upon me for? What am I expected to be doing? Because that's what I'm able to do. And what qualifies me to say, look, I could be good at this. I can see this through. I'm good enough. I can make this happen. And that that should be a regular check-in to make sure that you're building and maintaining and protecting that confidence because it's really, really important that that's your inner stuff. And that might not be your confidence in being able to um, succeed, but it's your confidence in your ability to learn enough so that you can be successful so that you know you're going to be paying attention, you know you're going to listen to good advice, and that you know you're going to be honest in what you're doing, that you're going to apply yourself. Confident to know that when you don't know what to do next is normally the step before you learn something new, as opposed to thinking that when you don't know what to do next, it's come to an end. And so those those aspects of confidence, and, and in terms of resilience, a lot of the resilience and confidence will come from remembering when you've done things before that you probably shouldn't have been able to do or that you surprised yourself or you surprised others or looking back on it, you might even think, I don't know if I could do that again now. Remembering what that took, remembering that you are someone who can overcome whatever is put in front of you or put underneath you or put above you and get through it. You know, some of those times in your life when you really, really pulled through and that's where your confidence comes for resilience. In in those five steps of confidence we talked about, so it's almost just going back and thinking about that experience where you have already proven that you've been resilient before. And this is one thing that you see a lot in, in, in literature, and I don't mean as in uh, like professional literature, but all literature. It's always that children who have a tough time growing up, they learn resilience and therefore, it's, that acts as some sort of springboard or forecast for a future greatness. You know, I mean, thinking of, you know, the, the, the Charles Dickens novels, you know, the, the, these poor beginnings. Is that something that you believe, therefore, that if you've had a charmed life, 
resilience is going to be something harder for you to to have in your locker because you haven't you can't look back on those experiences and say this is when in my past in my history I've, I've got a history and experience of, of overcoming challenges which therefore allows me to feel confident to use that your word that I can do this again in the future yeah it's um like there's a lot of studies and research done into this but I think you can just look around people that you know and you can look at people who've maybe had a charmed upbringing or a privileged upbringing and I work with a lot of kids of I'm at that age and I'm working with kids of, of clients that I have who have their mother or father has been extremely successful and the reason why they lack confidence in themselves is that they've never really pulled themselves through on things someone else has enabled or pulled them through and the, the thing with this is that they don't recognise what they have gone through because everyone's just told them they've been charmed and privileged. And everyone's got their thing. Everyone's pulled through on some things. Sometimes being the son or daughter of a successful mother or father is a struggle within itself, but it's not really recognised from the outside. So what I have to do with those people who who don't necessarily have the instantly recognisable hardship that they've come through is to help them find the hardships that they have come through. And this is really important is that for us all in that confidence piece in terms of resilience, you've got the two stories. You've got the stories where you pulled through and you've got the stories where you didn't pull through. And and this is really your discipline in terms of resilience on focusing on what you did do. You can't build upon what you didn't do. If you plant enough flowers, there's not enough room for the weeds. So it's really focusing on what I did do, when I did do this, when I did pull through, and having that discipline of even knowing there's an equal amount of times or even 10 times the amount of occasions where you didn't necessarily do it is focus on the terms that you did. As I'll say to all the clients that I've worked with, we can't build upon what you didn't do. So let's look at what you did do. Let's look at when you were at your best. And what was the characteristics that came from that? What did it take? What did you show? What did you demonstrate? And let's bring that. That's your A game. Let's bring that. This makes sense for obviously individuals, but these are also the what you could be saying to a team. Because sometimes those teams which have had it, an easy, let's say, a charm time, a you know, lucky cues in the market at the right time. When when they hit the, that first tough time, it's reminding them that actually this wasn't as plain sailing as it seemed. There were significant challenges that they did overcome, and to and to help reframe those those experiences in a way that they see that this was this they have demonstrated degrees of resilience in the past that specific behaviour is what you're calling on to give them the confidence that they can do this again in the future. Great. If we, go, if we now talk about social support, what does that mean? What does that, how, how can I improve the support network I get socially? What does that mean? Is that having the five great people around me or is that something different? Yeah, it's the voices you're going to listen to uh, and the environment in which you create it's an unpleasant saying, but it's kind of accurate. If you lie down with dogs, you'll catch fleas. If, if, if you always associate with negative people, then that negativity is going to rub off. 
if you just associate yourself with people who will tell you that absolutely everything's brilliant, then you know you'll start to live in that naive place where everything is brilliant until it's not. But if you're surrounding yourself with people who will give you that honest, genuine guidance, feedback, support, insight, comment, unconditional love, support, but serious about it, you know, that social support of people saying this is going to be tough, but you're going to get there. Yes. And a lot of that and is is not just that that faith in you. Sometimes it's a blind faith. Sometimes I, I don't know what you need to do next, but I'm sure you're going to work it out. Yeah. Because sometimes that is what you really need in terms of that support. You know, martyrdom is 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 not going to get you there in terms of resilience. It's also making sure that you've got that right environment round about you so that you're not creating more hardship than is required of punishing yourself, thinking all the reward is at the end of it. That resilience means that that social support is also the acknowledgement and reward that you get along the journey rather than waiting to the end. Because you're waiting and it's too late if you wait until the end. So like if you're doing a marathon, you know, every every mile you've got somebody clapping saying, well done, you've done another mile. It's not that everyone's waiting at the 26th uh, mile. And, and, and creating those mile, that social support is also the recognition of those milestones. And that might be the people around about you. It also has to be with you. If you're not recognising the milestones, you will not listen to others who are recognising them. Because if all you're saying is nothing matters until the end, then you will not get any benefit from that social support. So it's being part of that social support, encouraging that social support, and a lot of times asking for that social support, which a lot of us don't do. That was a two sort of two parts I've got in my head. Then is, and I think that asking then is is an important one. Is that sometimes the people you have around you won't know there are certain things you need from them. And and one of your lines is, you know, when somebody isn't, when one of your teams aren't performing properly, one of your questions that you would ask of, of, of me would be, are you sure they know what's expected from them? And when you have that long, horrible look in the mirror at yourself, you think maybe I wasn't as clear as I could have been and therefore you, you have to accept some of the blame. But before we get to that stage of making sure that you know what you need from that social support. And you talked about the the, the lying down with dogs, but how do you do that audit? It feels to me a really almost, almost quite obvious that if you're surrounded with fantastic and good and strong and motivational people, that that that's going to positively impact you. And you have the, 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 the meme of, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, move to a different room. You know, you, you, you want people around you challenging you and better. But how do you do that audit where you look around you and you say, actually, that this social support group that I have is suboptimal? And once you've established that, how do you actively go out to improve that? Because it's hard, it would be hard for us to, 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 to move families and, and to change all of our friends. Yeah, but look, there's, you don't go into a newsagent's to book a holiday. So if you're needing to book a holiday, you need to find out whether that person's a newsagent or a travel agent. Because it's not fair to go and ask people to do something that they just can't do. 
but it's first of all fair to ask, can they? This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm going to need. Can you do that? Okay. Because if if you're not clear, in particular, if you're if you're someone who tends to make things happen, make things work, a lot of the people who are closest to you out of love will think that their role is to keep challenging you because that gets the best out of you and you always rise to that challenge. But there's sometimes you need a little bit more encouragement than challenge. You need a little bit more assurance than questions. Yes. So that's the point. You've answered it a lot better than I asked it. So this isn't therefore about looking at the people and saying whether they're right or not. This is a bit like those old style Mission Impossible TV series, you know, before Tom Cruise sexed it all up, was they would sit there with that sort of a, a number of different photos. You know, this is when photos were printed out. And he would go through and decide who was the right team for that mission. And it wasn't that anybody was bad in that list, that they were just choosing these are the people who are going to be correct for this mission. Now, it was always the same four or five people. That, that, that's fine. But that's almost what you're doing then. So it's not that you suddenly jettison people. It's you understand that in your network, there are roles that people can play for this journey and you need to make it clear to them. And then I guess if there isn't anybody within your network who can fulfill that role, this is then when you go out and you look for mentors or you join networks or associations or, or, or clubs of some kind. Yeah, that's a better way of looking at it. So it isn't that you suddenly pack your bags, change your surname, jettison all of your childhood friends. It's you look around you and say, who can help me for this next stage of the journey? And then make it super clear to these people, this is this is the help and support I need from you. Yeah, and look, you will know if it, the social support is also you knowing the people that you've got. And if the roles that are then missing, then extend that social network that you have to go find people who can help. But go to your your, your existing social circle. You will know the cynics. You know, and you'll love them because the cynicism can be hilarious at times, but don't go to them looking for optimism. Yes. You know, you'll know the skeptics who will be able to provide the question and the challenge and the objectivity, but they're probably not going to inspire you and push you on. And then you've got some of the people who, no matter what you do, will always be hyper positive. And so they're great for that, you can do anything but probably not the best for being able to say, let me help you work that out. And you will know what people can do for you. It's not the responsibility of the social support that you have to be there for you. If you're resilient, you're going to take ownership of this. It's knowing that you've got people and encouraging and explaining to the people in your social support how valuable they are to you, the role that they can play. And not and, and some of those will be just the spectators. You know, clap really loud when we get there. But others but others have got a, a more than a more than a part to play. That makes total sense. And that can change and that can move, but you understand that these people have a part. And and going back a little bit to the confidence one, I see that there this touches a little bit. We talked about self-confidence and confidence. Self-confidence is something you can do the inner work on. Confidence is much more external. 
this in a way is helping you to control that external environment to help with your confidence, which is going to help you with your resilience. Not only that, there's a lot more stuff, but I see that. Okay, that's good. And if you've, if your confidence is good, Warren, you'll, you'll then have the confidence to go to the people that you need confidence to go to, the ones who you know are, because at times you're going to want to know, look, can you pull, I'm on the right road with this, could you pull this apart? And that's where your cynics are going to be of real value to you. Because if you can face up to them in advance, then you'll deal with any questions that anybody else is going to throw at you. But you need the confidence. That's just why the order's right, is get your confidence right. Then you will be able to get that support network around you. And that is also um, where you then start to look external to your existing network to get that social support. Uh, That might be where you engage with a coach or you engage with a mentor or you connect with the person who's maybe already doing what it is you really want to do to find out a little bit more of what it actually looks like, what it actually entails. You know, creating that social support of connecting with where you want to get to. Go and see who's doing it already. Go and read about, you know, what you, it's the voices in your head that you either attract or you request. And one of those voices is your own. Yeah. And a lot of those voices come through what you read, what you, what you watch now, um, all the information and where do you take it from. That is part of that social support. It's that network of communication, the voices in your head that are either taking you towards where you want to get to or they're dragging you away from where you want to get to. And that is your choice. This makes those a good sense. Yeah, it's everything. So it's that whole environment, but that social support. And I think what's really clear about this is if you are asking for a mentor or advisor or a coach or, or even just a partner, how you're describing this means that you have a very clear role that you're asking people to play and therefore you allow them to do it. You, or you allow them to opt in or you, you allow them to opt out. So just to move on then, so... We've got the confidence, we've got the, we've got the support network or the, that social support around us. And then this leads to the ability, the ad- adaptability. So what does adaptability mean in this, in, in this context? It's adaptability to change. Adaptability to change, okay. It's your, it's your willingness and, and discipline to keep the result as non-negotiable. Yes. And therefore allow the process to be negotiable. And that doesn't, by negotiable, that doesn't mean that the process doesn't matter. It means that it has to remain negotiable, flexible, responsive, if you want to protect the result as being non-negotiable. As soon as you make the process non-negotiable, this is just the way I have to do it, this is just the way it has to be, as you make that non-negotiable, by default, you make the result negotiable. And that's not to say that it can't happen. It's just now negotiable. Yes. And so it's that adaptability to change in terms of the process, but also adaptability to change in where it is you're actually headed. Because halfway down that road, you might realise there's somewhere better you really want to be. And again, it's that willingness to adapt to that change because there's a bigger sense of purpose somewhere else. The result is non-negotiable. I mean, as a sales guy, this is this is probably one of my most yeah. I probably should put a tattoo of it somewhere on my on, on my body because this is such a big 
mantra you know is that the you know the hundred percent has to be key everything else it doesn't matter so whether it's you know you want to do a calling schedule or a meeting schedule or there's different offers it's such an important um, statement the results non-negotiable in the process is more negotiable because also that allows for creativity which you, you touched on before isn't it i mean if the result is super clear and fixed and, and you see artists talk about this is that when they, when they have a constraint, it allows their creativity to go nuts. So, you know, some of them, like they, if they have to make um, artwork out of uh, lolly sticks, then they can come up with something crazy because they have that one that, 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 that that's confining them, which means therefore that the rest of their brain goes crazy around a fixed point. And I think, always think that about the result is, is non-negotiable. But also that idea that your purpose can change, I think it's really, or, or the end result can change, sorry, is really important in the context of the first two pieces being there, isn't it? It's not that you're giving up, it's that you've got the confidence and the strength and the clarity to make a correct decision is actually, I, might, I could even make the result bigger or it, it, it may be a pivot of 180, but I'm doing this from a position of strength and not from a position of weakness because of those first two elements. So that, that order you said, I guess, is part of the importance of this. And see, this is where, and this is sometimes something I need to explain two or three times before it, it gets in, that you start off with a result that you're aiming for and that remains non-negotiable. And the process, therefore, has to remain negotiable. Sometimes when you go on that journey, you realise that what you thought was a result is actually just part of a bigger result. Therefore, it's now process. And that's why it becomes flexible, because it's part of something bigger. And that's when it's no longer your goal. It's just an objective. It's no longer a result. It's actually part of a bigger process to get to somewhere even bigger as a result. And that's where it can then become flexible and negotiable. Some people will say, well, how come you can say results non-negotiable and then you say, but you can change it? Well, the conditions by which you can change it is when you realise it's just part of a process. Because what used to be a result will eventually become just part of your process. I get that. You're, you're right. And also one of the things you said before is that once the result's achieved, it is no longer this energy-given um, far away thing. It actually gets quite small. And you have to have something bigger again because mm. once you've achieved something amazing and big, it's no longer unimaginable. It's no longer giving that momentum to do. But I think that idea, as you said, of this order is so important that if you look at the result and with confidence and with clear sightedness, you say, actually, I'm going to make this bigger or I'm going to change it. It can be part of that resilient journey, can't it? It's, it's actually, look what I'm now doing. Yeah. I, I, I'm not shifting because I'm finding it hard. I'm actually shifting because I've got a better view of what I should be doing next. Well, if, if you think just now, I mean, at the moment, there's a lot of um, exam results coming out. And for a lot of people, that is the result. That's then going to become part of the process for what they do next, which will then become part of the process of what they do after that, which will be part of the process for what comes after that again. 
which also then helps them that whatever happens, I mean, and this is, I can even picture you doing, doing this. I mean, a number of years ago, we both probably had a lot more hair. It was the flying from Amsterdam to New York. And it's about, and I think you said, and you had a stat, like 90% of planes or something don't actually follow the flight plan that they're given, but they all land in, you know, 99% of them land in New York eventually or on time. That sounds scary. <laughs> the example was there was a, there's a flight from some in the US to Honolulu, I think, and it's only 16% of the time pointed at Honolulu. Okay, there you go. Because the flight path winds so much, it knows where it's going to land, but, uh, but it's only 16% of the time pointed to where it's landing uh, just because of the path. It's not a straight path. It's the most winding flight that there is at that time. This is why we record these conversations. So, you know, I don't make them, I don't, I get less opportunities to make, make things up in the, in the future. It's just if anybody had a concern or fear of flying, then <laughs> it's probably now no one follows the path. Everybody just flies wherever they want. But the point being that they, you will get there, but there are different ways of getting it. And of course, yeah. the destination was non-negotiable, but how the pilot was going to get there, you know, there are some caveats, but, but they, will, you know, they will fly according to conditions. Yeah, look, most people will set out, and this is about the adaptability to, to, to change, most people will set their path out from where they are to where they want to get to, and they'll put it in a straight line, and they'll put it in chunks, either in days, weeks, months, quarters, years. Yeah. Someone might think that their life will start working like that at some point, you know, which would be right. remarkable. But the... And this is where the resilience and perspective comes in, is having that end in mind. You know, and, and as I'll say to anybody, if I could guarantee you, you're going to get the result even better than what you can imagine. And I can guarantee that, but the only condition is nothing is going to go to plan between now and then. Would you take it? You know, if, if I could guarantee you what you really want is going to be there for you, but it's going to be a roller coaster between now and then, would you get on? Yeah, it's a great line. Yeah, you know, and 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 when you have that mindset on things, and that is the result I'm hanging on to, the process I'm going to go with, and and importantly, what this, and I've found this a lot more in the past two or three years, where I, I, I'm someone who has kind of suffocated the process a lot by being so rigid to approach it. I've I've worked this out. I'm a thinker. I've worked out how this is going to be and and I've created all these kind of, you know, uh, nothing good comes easy and, you know, you've got to work hard for what you get. You've got to earn the right, you know, and, you know, things don't happen that quick. It's got to take time and you've got to follow that process. You've got to fill the funnel, all that stuff, all these things, which is just you making the process non-negotiable. Yeah. And sometimes forcing things when it's not the right time. Things will go in cycles. Yeah. And if you're adapting to that energy of that cycle, then you're not trying to be forcing it when it's not ready to happen. Yeah. But also you'll be responsive if it can happen today, you're ready. Even though you thought it was going to be next month. 
in your, I mean, and from that resilience perspective, is if you are process driven, which is almost, as you say, a small chunk. If that day doesn't happen according to plan, that week doesn't happen according to plan, then you, it's going to always constantly feel like a, a dent. But if you if you're able to skip over that more and just see this as a another step, even though it doesn't feel it yet, because we're not always pointing towards Honolulu, but you have confidence that this is going to take you into the right way. Happy days. It's going to help you deal with those. I saw somebody discussing climbing to the top of Mount Everest. You go up, you go down. You go up, you go down. You go up, you go down. And it, you, you go up painfully slowly. It's so not a linear. And again, in my layman's head, I thought, yeah, I know you have to stop. But I thought, you know, you've got to a camp. You stayed there for a little bit. You went up a bit high. You stayed there. No, no, no. You have to go all the way down and then all the way back. And, then all, and it's up and down all the time. If you didn't know that there was a, this was the plan and somebody was saying this, is, this will get you to the top of Everest and you then were walking all the way back down again, you'd be thinking they were nuts. It was only afterwards would you, would you realize that the, that the process was actually genius and was setting you up for that correct result that you were looking for. Yeah, and, and look, you, you've, you've led sales teams globally for, for a long time and it's, I've sat down with sales leaders who two months into the year are telling me they're not going to hit their, their number yeah. because the first two months haven't gone to plan. So we need to change the, 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 the annual number. You think you've got 10 months. And that's where there's that lack of resilience because it's that lack of adapting to the change. So the resilience goes. And that's where people give up. Or this all needs to change now. The result needs to change because the process is not one and one is not even equal to anymore. And particularly during these times, we're going to have to redefine what one and one can now equal to. So we're going to have to redefine what one and one now needs to be. And that is your the resilience through this comes from that adapting to the change. And there's certainly a lot of change going on. You know, so we're getting plenty of practice have been able to adapt to it. And that idea of creativity as well, that problem solving is by having something fixed just does allow some some crazy, brilliant thinking to happen. Just for time, this is this I love I can talk I love the result focus conversations, but just move to purpose then. So this was the fourth one. So the confidence, the, the social support, the adaptability and flexibility. And then purpose. The purpose, that, that North Star, that strong sense of meaning. You, you talked about the inter, interdependence of everything. The purpose kind of feels that it's, it's casting a long shadow over all of these things. Is that right? Yeah, but look, um, if you don't have that destination in mind, then you don't know if you're walking in circles or walking in the opposite direction. And at least if you feel you're just walking in circles, you'll, you'll eventually, you know, find your way back to the dial that you should be on. But you could be walking in the opposite direction. That purposefulness is really, really important. If if there's no purpose to stop for just now, once you've got that purpose, then you know where you should be heading in that general direction. But that's where the purpose, the meaning, the perspective, the energy, the motivation all of those things gets channeled. 
Otherwise, you can be really motivated to really go around in circles really, really quick. And purpose is a lot bigger than the result. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the impact that the result's going to have. It's the difference that the result's going to make. It's the sense of meaning that it has to you. It's your why. It's it's tapping into your core beliefs. It's it's the thing that's so compelling that goes way beyond whether people agree with how you're structuring something or whether they think what you're aiming for is what you should be aiming for. Once you share with that, what the purpose of it is, people get less hung up on the how because they're so compelled by the why. It almost feels like a faith thing sometimes, how you talk about purpose. And, and, and we discussed that in an earlier chat, was that when your sense of purpose is strong enough, it allows you to make sense of all bad things almost as they're happening, even if you don't understand why that misstep has happened or why you know, you've gone back down the mountain. You, you've just got such a strong sense of purpose that you say, this must be happening for a reason because my sense of purpose is so strong that I know this is going to convert itself or, or this is going to be reframed or this is going to be a learning and positive, useful experience that's going to help me in, in the future. Even if I don't understand why today, I will understand it in the future. Yeah, look, I mean, a lot of people will talk nowadays about mindfulness and, and, and you know, your mental health and your well-being and everything. And and what you know, a lot of people say is, you know, you, you are exactly where you need to be. Well, you'll have that mindset if you've got a sense of purpose. But if you don't have that sense of purpose, even if you are where you're meant to be, you'll not even recognise it. Yes. You'll just go by how it feels. And yet sometimes the where you're meant to be is a place of discomfort because that's the catalyst for coming up with the creativity or the determination or the dissatisfaction enough to make change. Maybe that's where you need to be. And if you've got a sense of purpose, then no matter what you're going through, you'll have that mindfulness to be able to say, this is where I'm supposed to be. So what am I supposed to take from this? So what am I supposed to learn? How's this going to better prepare me? You know, you talk about the, the Mount Everest thing where they, they, they climb so high and make camp and then they actually come back down a little bit to go back up again. Now, there's reason for that. You know, it's their preparation. It's to acclimatise them. It's to give them that. It's to get them to be able to live all the way through to get up, to get to the top and survive. So a lot of the things that are thrown at us are to give us that strength and that character and that understanding so that when we get to where we really want to get to, we can cope or we can enjoy or we can feel we've earned it or feel worthy of it and not feel like an imposter or feel like we've got lucky or get there just to be scared to lose it because we can't handle it. And success is a lot more difficult to handle than people will give it credit for. Failure is quite easier to handle in terms that there's an awful lot more people there with you. And there's a lot more examples of it. So that sense of purpose is the the impact that you want it to have when you get there. It's why you're supposed to be there. It's your role. It's the difference that you're going to make. That's hugely compelling. Not just for you, but getting the right social support round about you to boost that confidence. And also if that purpose is big enough 
It's not that you won't care what needs to happen between now and then, but it will give it a positive meaning. And there's a link then, is I'm guessing, that if there's something that you, you feel you must do, this is what we talked about in purpose as well, is you need to figure out a way of connecting whatever that is to your own personal purpose, connected to your values, and then that will help you with the resilience. And if there's no way you can see that you can link this thing you need to do, that journey, as you saw, the 90% journey with your purpose, then you probably shouldn't be doing this because you're not going to last the course. If it doesn't link with your own inner vision, purpose, you're not, this isn't going to last. This will be one of those things that you do for a short amount of time. Again, we touched on this in, in the training and coaching one is if you, if you've made a commitment to change yourself as a person, to change your career, to change elements of your life, then you will sign up for a course and you will complete it. And then you will do something with it. If you just said, I should be busy during this time, but you haven't connected it to a purpose, then you will stop the diet, the, the, this giving up smoking, the, the, the online learning, new language, whatever it is, very quickly, because that resilience isn't going to be built because you can't see that purpose. It's not linked to a purpose. It isn't going to give you that energy. So, yeah. And, and look, this, this, you know, why it plays such an important part in, in resilience. When people don't have that sense of purpose, and the sense of purpose got to come with, within, no, no one else can give you that sense of purpose. They can give you a job to do. They can give you something to deliver. They can give you something that they want you to make, but they can't give you a sense of purpose. That's got to come from within. And, and unfortunately, I still see so many people that, because they don't have that sense of purpose, they're just turning the wheels. So their their level of resilience is, you know, based upon a, a low level of confidence because they don't think there's a bigger sense of purpose to what they do. They they have the social support of everybody else who doesn't have a sense of purpose. So they they find a degree of, you know, comfortable with the discomfort of not really aiming for anything other than to keep going and and they avoid change because they're, they're, they don't have the confidence to adapt to it so they want to stay where they are continue doing what they're doing and 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 then they allow that to define well this must be what where I'm supposed to be and it must be what I want to do now if you can find contentment there then maybe that is you living on purpose but for anybody who's not content being there it can be changed it feels, and I'm conscious of, of our time, but it feels that the more we talk about all these topics, it feels that the more you get these right, one or two of these right, it's easier to get something else right, which is easier to get something else right. And it's that this glorious snowball of, you know, if you have this higher purpose, it helps you to achieve more. It gives you that confidence. You have a reason for confidence. Just like you just said, if you haven't got a big enough purpose, if, if you don't need resilience, you don't need to have your confidence at such a high level. You said this interdependency, but I never really viewed it before until we have these sort of more structured chats. But as you start to get everything right, you get this glorious amplification effect. You know, if you are resilient, it's because you have got the confidence. You know, you have got this strong 
focus on on your results you do you are energized and and reinforced by your purpose and, and you have this group of people around you who, who are a mixture of you know cheerleaders and, and wardens and then as that starts to happen and that confidence starts to grow these things will feed into other glorious areas as well well if you think of things warren in terms of people teams businesses communities countries industries they're great in a crisis yet when that crisis is then overcome they then just go back to where they were before sleepwalking into whatever's they're waiting for the next external circumstance to throw them another crisis so that they can be alive again and, and really drive that, res, that that resilience. Yeah, that what this is about is taking ownership of that and building and channeling that on the positive to create something better, whatever it is. And this isn't about it needing to be some big, grandiose plan and you know world-changing thing. Whatever it is for you that has meaning, that's your purpose. But it's about doing it on the front foot rather than just showing remarkable resilience in a crisis. You have that within you, so how can you channel that on the front foot? That's it, isn't it? People say, when my back's against the wall, that's a crisis. But it's simple things. When you look at this, I think of like learning a language. You know, my my, my Dutch is, is pretty basic. And I realised a couple of years ago why, because the per- the reason for doing it just isn't core enough to me. And it's starting to come back again now as the children are getting a bit older and their Dutch is starting to get much more um, sophisticated than mine. Actually... I really want to continue having meaningful and useful conversations with my children as that starts to come through. The reasons for me doing this, that you know, the purpose of being able to have meaningful, great conversations with my children is going to be so big, I will eventually have to dig out all these textbooks again and start improving it. And just what you just said is I've got the confidence, I've learned it before, but the social support is something I need to work on because I hate being rubbish at it so i need to get over that your kids are now giving you that (laughs) and that result of just being yeah yeah how how i get to being good enough there's going to be a number there's a number of different ways that you can do it yeah but this is an important thing on that and that your part all those four elements are changing yeah and your purpose is then changing and this, this is one of the key things is that there's an awful lot of people who will say, well, I've said I've been going to do that for years. I haven't done it by now. There must be a reason why I've not done it. And so they, they put it to the side and say, well, I, I, can't, I can't sort of dust that down and go for it again. There could be a bigger purpose in that thing now. Maybe the reason why you didn't do it before wasn't that it wasn't a great idea. It's just that the purpose wasn't big enough. And, and everything might still be just preparation rather than the outcome. The amount of people who I will meet who will say, I, I never, all I do is gather things. I go from one course to another. I go from one initiative to another. I do another. I look into, I start reading this type of stuff. I look into that stuff. I try this career, that career, and I feel lost because I don't know. But it's just none of those things necessarily tapped into the purpose. But maybe they're just preparation 
rather than the final outcome. You know, and, and and sometimes just going through these things, sometimes it is a process of elimination. The things that you thought you wanted to do didn't actually turn out to be that way. And that's where he talks about confidence, and this is experience. I've experienced a hundred different courses. Now I've got the expertise to know the hundred things I don't want to do, to use Thomas Edison's phrase about light bulbs. You know, I know a thousand ways a light bulb doesn't work. If you're confident you can reframe even that experience as this was amazing. You know, I now know how I learn. I now how I best absorb information. I know some things I definitely don't ever want to go again. Or being a generalist is going to be fantastic for whatever my next. When you've got that confidence and that sense of purpose big enough, all of these things have a place, don't they? They have a place. Which is why resilience is so, so valuable and important uh, for us all. And resilience is almost a lagging factor then, isn't it? If you are resilient towards a certain goal, it means you've got everything in place. So you sort of said one way of looking at it is if it isn't there, you can build it. Once you build it, you can maintain it. But if you notice, I'm, I don't have the, the staying power to get to this, have a look at those four elements, see what's missing, build it, then work on maintaining it. Do the inner work, basically. This is good. Yeah, and, and I would say the, the main thing where the disconnect comes from is when people have a purpose without meaning. Yeah. And that's normally when it's someone else's purpose that has been given to them. Yeah. If it has meaning, you'll typically find the rest. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, obviously, we could go on and on because our resilience is strong. Thank you very much. I'm here a week. Try the veal. Um, no, this was great. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen, for your time. Let's sign off there. See you next time. Enjoy the party. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. 12 nine-year-old girls going around. Actually, it's a mixture of girls. So there we have it. Resilience. The quality I needed to see me through the nine-year-old party that Stephen referenced at the end, and one that we all need to draw on and maintain in our personal and our professional lives. We'll be keeping these episodes coming on a weekly basis now, so any comments or questions or any ideas of things you'd like us to cover, please let us know on the email address podcast at coachpro.online, or you can find me, Warren Hammond, on LinkedIn. Thank you for the support so far. We do appreciate it. It helps us with our self-confidence and also you guys are part of our social support. So please do keep in contact. Until next time, I hope you're all feeling well and a little bit better than you did at the start of this. Bye-bye.